Welcome to the I-29 MUU Dairy Podcast. I-29 MUU University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. On today's podcast, we are discussing the Farm Environmental Stewardship Program, or FARM-ES. I'm Heidi Carroll, SDSU Extension Livestock Stewardship Field Specialist, and I'm joined by Fred Hall, Iowa State Extension Dairy Specialist in Northwest Iowa, and Jim Sulfur, University of Minnesota Extension Dairy Educator. Hi, how are you guys today? We are doing well and enjoying the warmer weather. Absolutely. It uh, seems like we're all healthy and enjoying the weather. Life's good right now. With us today, we're joined by Nicole Ayash from National Milk Producers Federation. Welcome, Nicole. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. We're also joined by Caitlin Briggs from Dairy Management Incorporated. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to be here. And also April Von Ruden from AMPI, a dairy cooperative. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Let's just kind of start out and tell us a little about yourself and how your role is involved with the Farm ES program. Let's go ahead and start with Nicole. Great. Thanks, Heidi. So I, I'm Nicole Ayash. I'm Chief Sustainability Officer at National Milk Producers Federation. Uh, so my role with NMPF uh, overall is to lead our sustainability strategy, and that includes managing our farm environmental stewardship program. Um, I've been with NMPF and the farm program for about four and a half years. Uh, before that was a sustainability consultant across food and ag. Um, I have a background in environmental science and biology, uh, and I've been happy over time that my career has gotten further and further focused into dairy because I think it's one of the most exciting ag sectors when it comes to sustainability. Maybe I'll pass it to Caitlin. Perfect. Thanks, Nicole. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Caitlin Briggs, and I'm actually a veterinarian who works for the National Dairy Checkoff Dairy Management, Inc., for those of you that aren't 100% familiar with how Checkoff works. Within Dairy Checkoff, I work as the Director of Environmental uh, Sustainability and Research. And so that means that I lead a few things, one of which is our measurement and modeling toward our industry as well as individual farm reporting. And the second piece is the pillar on how animal health directly connects to sustainability. But since we're here talking about Farm ES today, that's really our individual farm measurement tool. And I work with Nicole really closely on mostly the scientific part of Farm ES. So all those model updates and how we can get more accurate numbers and really help planning for the future. So that's how I fit in with Nicole. And I'll pass it off to April now. Yeah, thanks, Caitlin. It's so fun to be able to work alongside Caitlin and Nicole in the industry. Um, like Caitlin said, my name is April Von Ruden. I am the Farm Program Director at AMPI, where I work with the Farm Animal Care Program, which includes training our farm evaluators that go out to the farm. And then I also work in helping to answer customer questions, our cheese and butter and powder buyers when they ask about dairy. It's fun to be able to share our dairy farmer owned story with them. And also for the last three and a half years, I've also uh, led the co-op's effort regarding farm environmental stewardship. And uh, the combination of, of working with all things farm is the perfect fit for me uh, because I was born and raised on a dairy farm and I went to SDSU 
and study dairy production and ag education. So it's fun to be able to kind of blend the dairy background and the teaching skills in working to uh, serve the dairy farmers of AMPI. So I've got a question for all you guys. You know, I mean, I'm sure you, maybe not Caitlin and Nicole heard all the noise about tail docking, et cetera. But I think, you know, a typical reaction from farmers is, why do I have to do this? Why should I care about it? Well, it's just another thing I've got to keep track of. And it's another, you know, I'm just trying to paraphrase some of the farmers and the reaction I might hear. You know, April, you're probably closer. So I'd like whoever to really explain what is a benefit to dairy farmers by farm yes, other than they have to do it. Yeah, thanks, Jim. And maybe even... Before I get to that, maybe explaining what farm environmental stewardship is will be a natural lead into that, because I think for for some, they haven't even gotten the opportunity to participate. So it might be helpful for, for having some context. Um, so, so farm environmental stewardship is the, the dairy industry's unified platform for measuring a farm's environmental footprint, focusing today on greenhouse gas emissions. And typically, like the, the rest of the, the farm program, um, it's implemented through that farm's co-op or processor. Uh, they have people on staff like, like April who are, are trained in the Farm ES program who can help work with them on doing second party assessments um, and guiding towards uh, the information and resources to support continuous improvement. But the crux of your question really is, so why? Why do that? Why, why go out and do environmental assessments? Uh, and what I'd say is we all know, and I hope we know, that dairy has a really great environmental story to tell. Um, we know that dairy farmers have innovated and made progress for years when it comes to um, their environmental footprint. Um, we have that documented in a, a lot of scientific studies that I know Caitlin could probably rattle off the top of her head, but I'll just... <laughs> I'll just continue on. Maybe Caitlin will jump in and, and share some of those stats. But we have a really great environmental story, but we don't always have a great way of documenting and sharing that. And without that, there's a lot of misperceptions out there from consumers, from, from our dairy customers, our dairy buyers, really see the progress that we're making, even though those on the ground know that it's happening. So farm environmental stewardship is a way to actually get out there and document for each individual farm all the ways in which they're making progress on the environment so that we can then share that outwardly with customers and consumers. So for a farm, why would you do it? Measure your footprint so that, that you know where you stand because you really can't manage something if you don't know where you stand today. So it gives you as, as the producer more information at your fingertips. And then two, document that environmental journey um, could be aggregated at the co-op level, processor level to share with, with customers and consumers what we're doing. But April and Caitlin, I don't know if you have any thoughts to add on that too. I think Nicole summed it up really well. And, and really with the farm program, it gives us a vehicle to be able to speak with one voice and one consistent voice across the industry, because if we stick together, we are stronger. That's what the farm program helps us to do. Any other thoughts on your end, Caitlin, from the science I'll just, side? I'll just add in the like numbers side of it in case anyone's interested. And I'll say that if it weren't for programs like Farm ES, where we can tell a unified story of the progress we've made as an industry, we wouldn't be able to say things like 
over a 10 year period, we saw almost a 20% decrease in our carbon footprint as an industry. And if we think about that and what that really means, if we take the same amount of milk that was produced year one and year 10 of that 10 year period, that's the same as planting 800 million trees, which would be like covering New York City twice over with trees. So if we can think about it in those ways and how Farm ES and the entire foot farm program allows us to tell these stories to people having some numbers behind it, I think that's really powerful when it comes to like our story that we can share and the progress that we can make and the importance that we are in the food system. Great stories that we're telling, but when we are exporting milk, do the people overseas appreciate it and have a requirement for it? I mean, is that a focus that they're giving us as an industry? Well, maybe Fred, I think what you're talking about is um, kind of what, how does it play into some of our export strategy since we know, you know, we continue to grow our, our export market as a focus area. And I think two thoughts on that. You know, first is, is how does Farm ES matter to customers generally? Because many of our customers are global customers. And then two, kind of focusing more on that, that export piece. Dairy customers, global dairy customers, you know, Walmart comes to mind, Nestle, McDonald's, Starbucks, pretty much any brand or retailer you can think of has set ambitious greenhouse gas targets. A lot of times it's it's through something called the science-based targets initiative. Uh, that's not the only avenue that a customer might set a, a greenhouse gas goal, um, but that's one of the common ones. But these, these customers are setting goals, and those goals aren't just for their, their four walls or their processing facilities or their restaurants. Those goals extend all through the supply chain. So they're looking at every product that they purchase. Dairy just being one of them, but they're looking at every product that they purchase and looking to reduce the environmental footprint of those products. When I think your question is, does, does FarmES do these aggregate numbers? Does, does it resonate with customers? I would say yes. Those global customers are looking for numbers and they're looking to partner too with their supply chain on reductions. So not just give us your data and reduce it, but we are seeing more and more examples where they're looking to partner on the ground to, to help support change. There are a number of examples. Uh, for example, the Net Zero Project is our, our the Net Zero Initiative, excuse me, is our, our industry-wide program to get us towards U.S. dairy's collective goals, one of them being to, to be net zero or better by, by 2050. Within that, there are various projects. One of them, Feed and Focus, comes to mind. And that's one where, where Nestle, Foremost, and others have partnered to, to implement conservation practices on, on dairies in, in Wisconsin and Michigan. That's just one example. There are, there are others where these customers are actually partnering with their supply chain to, to help support change on the ground. To that export piece, I'll say, and, and it might be getting too far afield from Farm ES, but we know that there are a lot of markets out there where, where greenhouse gas topics and climate change generally isn't just of interest, but is actually starting to make it into the, the regulatory framework. Um, so we wouldn't look at Europe, for example, where they have a lot of buying requirements related to climate factors of products. As that continues to expand, they're really just beginning some of that journey. We know that Farm ES will play an important role because, again, those customers 
those Nestle, those Starbucks, those others, they're not only then trying to meet the goals that they have as a company, they're also looking at some of these markets where, where they play in and, and some of the new regulations when it comes to, to climate change. So there's a lot at play and a lot of value for something like Farmias. So what happens, I mean, as a farmer, so you guys come out and do an uh, farm ES assessment. Do I have to change anything? Uh, Nicole, I'd like you to expand a little bit on, you had mentioned about this partnering, you know, to decrease your carbon footprint. Does partnering mean financial incentives? Does partnering just mean technical support? What does partnering mean? And then are we going to see penalties or incentives? Are there, what sort of incentives is there for me to change my farm? Other than, I get it. I mean, it's good for the industry and buyers are demanding that. But as an individual farmer, what's my incentive to change? Is it a better milk price? Is it, help me understand that. It may be part of that too. And and maybe Nicole or Caitlin can elaborate as you lead into that question. What are we measuring, right? What are we asking producers to do within the Farm ES program to drive some of the questions that Jim just kind of brought up to our attention? I'll start with kind of on that incentive piece and progress piece and maybe turn it to Caitlin to talk more about what we have today in, in the program and, or maybe April as well, since both of you are, are very familiar. I'll say First, right, as I mentioned at the beginning, most dairies are already making environmental progress because many obviously innovate just on the day-to-day because a lot of what we're talking about are things that are good for the business already. For example, just productivity improvements generally and health improvements generally also lead to a lower carbon footprint because you are usually producing more milk with fewer resources. And that means you're also producing it with fewer impacts. So that's one thing to keep in mind is a lot of what we're discussing is not doing something good for the environment just for its own sake, but it's actually practices and technologies that make the business better. There's a lot of items that go hand in hand. But in terms of, I think your question is really about how are, how are customers partnering? What does partnership look like? And I've observed a lot of different models. So some of it is cost share for implementation of various practices. Some of it is, if there isn't that financial incentive, some of it is offering that technical assistance by partnering with environmental consultants or or other individuals who can provide that support. So there are different ways that this can look. And I will back up and say Farmius isn't mandating that a farm has to improve their footprint. Again, we generally observe that's happening anyway. What we're doing through the Net Zero Initiative and collectively as an industry is saying, what what are the sets of information farmers need to make the best decision that works for their farm? What are the incentives and and financial mechanisms we need out there to help help support farmers in that? And then use FarmES to track that over, over time. But I'll turn it maybe April or Caitlin, if you want to talk a little bit about what's in there today and, and what's coming next. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about kind of the evaluation itself, what goes into it and and some of that process. But first off, I just want to highlight the really neat fact of the dairy industry, the circular nature that we have is quite unique to other food production systems, other industries. A lot of the nutrients involved in the dairy production cycle, they make their way from the soil into the feed, the cow's feed, and then out of the cow in the form of food for us and manure, food for our soil, 
and then back into the fields that uh, the crops that fed that cow. So I think that is just so neat. And, and actually, many industries are quite envious of, and that's why they look to dairy and agriculture for carbon credits. And we're not going to get down that bunny trail here today. But I think we've got this beautiful asset in that. And uh, like Nicole said, we, we've got such a great sustainability story to tell. And this tool is what gives us the vehicle to be able to boldly and proudly tell that great story. So a little bit about the evaluation, the Farm ES model itself, and Caitlin and, and Nicole could speak to this even better, but the model itself has a very robust scientific engine behind the scenes. And what that does is it allows us to simplify the amount of information that dairy farmers need to collect and the evaluator's input as part of the ES evaluation. So what does that evaluation look for? It looks for really common things, many of the things that you could find on your DHIA records, your rations from your nutritionist, your utility records. Some of those examples are your annual milk production information, your herd inventories and culling rates from the past years, electric usage. Those are just a couple examples. And the evaluation doesn't ask for things like manure runoff, CAFOs, and some of that kind of stuff. We leave that those kind of topics up to the county feedlot officer. So a couple of things about the data itself as you're putting it into the system is all of the data needs to be for a consistent 12-month period. And also, we want to only include the inputs from the dairy operation itself. So there may need to be some calculations or assumptions that need to be made to remove the energy for your non-dairy inter enterprises. And that's where the evaluator can come and help you through that process. So we get the information into the correct form, put it into the system, and then you get a report that's benchmarked to see how your results compare to the regional and national averages. And dairy farmers are competitive by nature, so it's really fun to be able to see how your footprint compares to your peers. As you're thinking about information that you get out of the system, one thing that I thought was really interesting that I heard at a conference that really resonated with me is that it's important to pay attention to those methane outputs. The production of methane is essentially wasted energy. So when a cow is producing methane, that means she isn't putting that energy towards making milk and meat. So like I said, it's basically wasted energy there. So that's a little bit about the, the evaluation process. It's, it's something that's pretty simple that can be, be completed in a couple of hours. I think you'll find it quite interesting, something that you can do every couple of years to kind of see how your footprint is going up and down and then backtracking from there to, to kind of figure out what changed during that time period to change your number? Caitlin, why don't you tell us a little bit about of the current version of the Farm ES program and what could farmers expect as the new version starts to roll out here shortly? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Heidi. So like April said, we our current version is based off of a survey that we did of over 500 dairy farmers. It takes into account all of the practices that happen in their fields and the the different ways that they store manure, how herds are kept, all of that data is built into that, into equations such that to April's point, you only have to answer about 40 questions. So in the grand scheme of things, you've taken hundreds of data inputs 
and really boiled it down to these essential questions that can give you your footprint in the end. In the end today, we get a greenhouse gas footprint broken down into the three main gases that we care about, carbon dioxide, methane, and nitrous oxide, as well as an energy use footprint. Farm ES, like the entire farm program, is on a cycle for updates that happens every three years. So we're all really excited about July 2024 when we're going to launch the next version of Farm ES, which I hope you guys get excited too about this, but we're changing the model that's in there. So think of it as like replacing the engine of your car, essentially, in that what we're going to have is a model that is all the more accurate and it's something that we call process-based. So to the example that April gave earlier about how the manure goes on the field, then you know the corn grows with photosynthesis and everything else that happens in our world and rain. If you're lucky enough to live somewhere that you get rain, I suppose, we harvest that corn, the cow eats the corn, she digests it, makes some methane, makes some manure, makes some milk, grows a little bit, and then what we, whatever we do with those products in the end, right? So manure goes back on the field. Well, in a process-based model, you can change any single little piece of that chain reaction, if you'd like to think about it that way, and see all the downstream effects. So the reason that this is, I think, most exciting is that not only does it help us get a more accurate number where we are today, but it'll actually help us to do scenario analyses or answer some of those what-if questions for the future. So my husband and I actually farm 1,400 Oh, well, 4,000 acres and 1,400 cows in upstate New York. And I know one of the things we're thinking about as, you know, 2022 ended was like, what do we do next, right? 2022 was a pretty good year. And so there's maybe a little bit of money that we're trying to invest in some way, shape, or form. And we can use the next version of Farm ES to say, how can I get that biggest bang for my buck when it comes to something that maybe my processor or customer in the end cares about? So I think that's a really exciting update to Farm ES version three is being able to measure those changes, right? They can be as big as what happens if we put in a digester or as small as what happens if we improve heat stress in the summer, right? By adding more fans and maybe some sprinklers. The other piece that I think is an exciting update, but maybe our farmers care less about is one that the processors and cooperatives will be able to use. And that's that Today in Farm ES, they can get an aggregated number of where all their farms are in their milk shed. But in the future, they can actually utilize that same scenario tool for their milk shed too. So this will help them, to Jim's earlier question, go to customers and say, listen, you wanted us to hit these goals. This is what we need to do in order to do it. We need funding in X, Y, and Z ways. So I think we look at this next version as being farmer facing in the way that we can, it really allows farmers to input individual things into their herd and see what happens if they make certain changes, but also really empower them to be able to go to a conversation sort of with the tools that they need to make the requests that help them meet some demands. How long before farmers get paid? Is it just going to be incentives or is there going to be a premium on your milk check? Because you mentioned, Caitlin, on your farm, I can't imagine you and your husband sit around and go, well, let's see, how can we lower our carbon footprint if it doesn't improve milk production or efficiency? Or long-term, it's going to affect milk price. So how long before the downstream effect on milk price will be, you know, how long before farms are paid slash incentivized, penalized 
for either not having too big of a carbon footprint or improving it? You know, Jim, if I had the answer to that, I'd probably be a billionaire and I wouldn't need to dairy farm or have another job. (laughs) So, um, but that's all to say that we don't know is the truth. And I think different customers will approach it differently. It's sort of how they're trying to meet their demands and they're going to come up with unique ways that they think benefit farmers that they can try to work together or some will probably take the stick method too. But I can't speak to what that's going to look like or how long it's going to take either. But I think we can all be sure that people care more and more every day and every year. And so there will likely both be incentives and regulations around it. Yeah, and I was just going to chime in with Um, Again, just a reminder, I think sometimes we talk about these things as totally separate, like doing environmental good and and climate impact as completely separate from focusing on the business and productivity improvements. And really, there are so many opportunities, if not most of our opportunities are overlap dramatically in that space. Again, you know, looking at ration improvements, health, health productivity, and can help reduce your footprint you know, looking at various options when it comes to, you know, energy isn't a biggest part of our footprint, but that's another easy example where looking at energy efficiency also uh, improves the bottom line. So I just want to share that again, as, as these are often things that overlap, you know, there is still that question, you hit that line of kind of the question on certain items of upfront capital investment versus it takes a long time to recoup that investment. And that's where I think incentives and and cost share agreements, items like that can really help offset both the risk for taking new things on and the fact that it takes time sometimes to recoup that investment in in something new. And that's where I I do think customers are looking to play in that space. That's why they, they do some of these projects where they incentivize certain, the adoption of certain practices. They know that there's a risk and, and there's sometimes... It's not what the business is, needs to do this year, right? But if, if you can incentivize it, maybe the adoption of, of certain field level practices, they know you know you get a carbon sequestration benefit over time. And I'll add just a, a couple other pieces on that kind of financing part that I, I think are relevant. You know, I know April, you kind of alluded at the beginning to saying, you know, maybe maybe we don't get it, want to get into the question on offsets and other markets, but there are growing markets for environmental benefits, whether that's specifically climate and greenhouse gases. So we know there are carbon markets out there. That's probably the most mature environmental markets. There are growing ecosystem service markets, which are a bit broader and cover things beyond climate. So that's one area that farms have have looked to to say, okay, if I am going to invest in a new technology, like a digester, you know, how can I recoup some of those costs? How can I generate revenue from it? Carbon markets offer one avenue. And there's also new investment. I, you know, I don't think we probably want to get into all the details of it today, but the Inflation Reduction Act comes to mind where we know where there are billions and billions of dollars going into various climate-friendly initiatives, if you will, across all sectors and agriculture being one of them. It's still TBD what some of that will mean in terms of USDA programs, but there there are going to be additional investment in equip funding, for example, for climate-friendly practices, things like that. Yeah, and I'll just chime in and add, like Nicole said, it, it's very much a, an and conversation. It's participating in Farm ES and seeing in financial gains from that and bringing it back just a little bit closer to the farm level. So many of the things that help your carbon footprint score 
also help your bottom line. For example, increasing your pregnancy rate on, uh, for your cows, for your herd, helps your, your carbon footprint. Reducing the extra heifer inventories also helps. Using no-till strategies means less passes over the field, less, less labor hours tied up into that, resources and everything else. Installing LED light bulbs, uh, reducing your electricity bill. So I just love that so much of this just goes hand in hand in helping big dairy farmers. I've got another question for you. Part of my understanding, and this isn't my wheelhouse, so if this doesn't make sense to you, just correct me, but a fair amount of the carbon footprint is growing the crop to feed the cows. And maybe this is minimal, I don't know, but I'm thinking about how far, I'm in California, I'm buying corn and it's coming from the Midwest, or I'm buying soybean meal and it's coming from the Midwest. Now, maybe that's a reasonably small, but my question is, is your models taking into account those other costs that might not be directly associated with that farm? So they're purchasing inputs from ABC, or is that just too complicated to try and keep track of? Um, And maybe it's a small portion of the carbon footprint, I really don't know. But I think that's, if I'm a producer, I'm thinking about items like that. Yeah, it's a really good question. And I'll I think Caitlin will probably want to share some of the details potentially, but I'll I'll maybe overarching is that you bring up a really good point, which is that, you know, every farm has a a different strategy, not just let's say with purchasing feed versus homegrown feed, right? Like we know there are differences there. You know, are you raising your calves on site or not? Therefore your footprint might be different of what's actually happening on the farm versus maybe what's happening elsewhere. Farm ES and the model behind it is, takes an approach called a life cycle-based approach. And what that means is that we take into account everything from, it's called cradle, cradle to farm gate. It's not just what happens on your farm, but also the something called embedded footprint in what you might be purchasing. If you are purchasing feed, it still takes into account the impacts from the production of that feed. Trying to think of another example. Again, whether your calves and heifers are raised on site or elsewhere, that would still be part of the footprint of the milk that you are producing. Well, really what customers are focusing on is that milk as a product that they're purchasing. We want the footprint to be able to be compared year over year or every three years and be able to actually see differences in that footprint because of changes made on the farm or or efficiencies and not have it reflect, let's say you changed your your feed purchasing strategy or whatever it might be. Caitlin, any thoughts or April? Yeah, I'll just add in, Jim, that I think a piece that a piece that you brought up that maybe Nicole didn't touch on is Say we're not talking about corn grain, for example, but instead we're going to talk about cottonseed, right, which we know is a byproduct. And dairy cows are actually really incredible using all of those non-edible byproducts that um, are non-human edible byproducts, I should say, because they're obviously edible for a cow. And being able to turn that into meat and milk and growth. I think something that's really exciting about the next version of FarmES and that is currently built into FarmES is that As a dairy farmer, you'll be able to choose some of those byproducts and be able to see the differences that happen because of both the distance that you're talking about, but also how those byproducts are being processed. And in the next version, 
We have that down to a county level because we've followed the supply chains that closely for those byproducts. So all of this to say that like, yes, those emissions are included. And when you buy cotton seed, right, or if you feed almond hulls or beet pulp, for example, any of those pieces, you're only getting a tiny portion of that footprint because the more economic piece of that is actually going to almond growers, right? And the people who eat the almonds in the end. So we're even dialing that in further in the next version of RMES to be able to tell dairy's story even better. And that's what I'm most excited about in this next version of RMES is when you get done with your evaluation and you look at the report, you look at your numbers, you're like, the first question out of dairy farmers is always, now what? What do I do with this information? And I love the fact that the next version is going to allow you to do some scenario planning to look at how do changing certain dials on the farm, how does that impact your number up or down? And I think that'll be just a lot of fun. And as an industry, I think it's going to take us to the next level. That was a lot of great information. I think we'll kind of wrap up with a, a couple of, of things here. What have you guys seen as challenges for either the co-ops or the farmers experience regarding the environmental stewardship ex- expectations and how have they worked to overcome them? Yeah, I'll, I'll start off here. So AMPI, as many of you may know, is a dairy farmer owned co-op and we have eight manufacturing plants And we make the cheese, butter, and powdered dairy products sold and packaged under some of the nation's leading brands. And so when our customers have questions about how the land and animals are cared for during the production process, we are better equipped to answer those questions through our participation in the farm program. We take this responsibility very seriously, and we see it as an opportunity to help grow customer understanding of those on-farm practices. And I think the important thing for farmers to remember when when thinking about their sustainability journey is, is we're not starting from scratch here. Farmers have long been practicing sustainability and Farm ES is now that tool that allows individual farms to measure their greenhouse gas emissions so that they continue to measure and monitor your progress going forward. And like Nicole said it so wonderfully earlier, is you can't manage what you don't measure. And I think this tool, it it helps us to do that. As far as challenges, like Heidi asked, from the evaluator's perspective, when it comes to the evaluation, from my side of things, I've seen that the most challenging thing is to estimate fuel usage. In the Midwest, most dairy farmers not only have a dairy farm, but they're also managing a crop enterprise as well. And so when it comes to using the tool, we're trying to get the account for the inputs used for milk production because the tool itself has, it already accounts for the crop production side of the the inputs. So it can be kind of tricky to estimate the amount of fuel usage just for dairy production. So this is looking at fuel used for feed mixing, for scraping manure, and things like that, the the, kind of the everyday things. And so one way that I found to help get around this or to help with this is to look for a fuel bill from a month when there wasn't any crop production activities. And here in the Midwest, uh, January would probably be a safe month for that. So you take that month and then you multiply it by 12 to get an annual estimate to get into the system there. Nicole or Caitlin, any thoughts about challenges? One 
thing that often starts out, I think Fred and Jim, I think from both of you coming from maybe not having been as closely involved in Farm ES, for some of our co-ops and processors who maybe don't yet participate, they're in that same boat, right? Like they come in, they're like, why would I do this? Like, how do we sell this to our farmers? Like, what's the value? You know, they, they have a, a lot of questions and concerns that are normal and valid about why should I do this? And so one thing I, I believe is that's often the first hump is just figuring out what is the value for us as a business, as a cooperative processor, and then our member farms, our patrons, our direct ship farms, like wh what's going to be the value for us? How does Farm Yes get us value? And that's not going to be the same answer for every organization. And so I think one of the, the challenges is having that time to, to reflect and figure it out of, is it that we know we have customers that we really want to build a bit better relationship with, a bigger relationship with, and we think we know they care a lot about climate? Maybe Farm ES is a tool for that. Is it we as a business want to position ourselves as an environmental leader? You know, Farm ES can help us with that. Or is it, you know, maybe the biggest challenge is, hey, we know that there's the value for us as a business, but we have questions that I think both of you did of, of what's going to be the financial benefit to the farmer. So it's kind of, I think one challenge is using this tool, figuring out how this tool works for you as an organization and you as your farmers. And that's not going to be the same for everyone. So I spend a lot of my time talking with our members from NMPF, but also any farm program participant to help like think through that uh, and give ideas from what I've seen other organizations do. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, people like April who work so closely with you know, AMPI's members and, and figuring out with your leadership at AMPI, okay, how does Farm ES work for us? And that's something that just, I think, takes time. Well, that's great. Any closing comments about Farm ES or the take-home messages that the farmers themselves should go find more information about it? Yeah, I, I can kick us off. I think maybe just take-home points. This conversation around the environmental footprint of food and the environmental footprint of dairy farms that conversation is going to happen with or without dairy at the table. Farm ES gives us a voice in that dialogue and lets us showcase what we're doing. And we know it's not just about data at the end of the day. It's not just about kind of numbers. It's it's really kind of where are you going, right? Like public asks, where are you going? Okay, fine. Here are your numbers. What are you doing? What's your strategy? What are your goals? That next version of Farm ES, that would be my other take home is this next version of Farm ES is very exciting because it's going to help at the farm level, at the co-op level, processor level, industry level, better define our, our strategy. It's going to be a great tool in the toolbox to say, what if? What if I did all these things? What could that mean? What might work for me? I think going to really help us drive forward and, and continue to showcase the great work that dairy's done. I'll go next. I'll just, I think, add on to what Nicole is saying and say something that maybe some of the listeners are thinking, which is like, this weekend, I was literally shoveling frozen manure, right? Because it was negative 32 on Saturday. And I spent my whole day Saturday doing that. And I thought to myself over the weekend, man, what do I do Monday through Friday about environmental stewardship and sustainability when like this is actually what needs to be done on the dairy today, right? And when it comes down to it, it is true. There are emergencies and fires we put out day in and day out on the dairy that in the grand scheme of things feel a lot more important than answering a farm ES evaluation. But I think all of us in the dairy industry are part of it. And 
we actually enjoy that concept of continuous improvement and being better every year. And this is just one more feather in our cap, right? To be able to say how we're improving and to Nicole's point about the next version of Farm ES, I'm excited that for once we're going to be able to arm farmers with an economic and an environmental tool all at once. And I think it'll give the power back to the farmers rather than having customers and consumers maybe have the power. Even when you're out there and dreading it, I guess just like keep your chin up in some ways. <laughs> but I'll pass it to April now. I'm sure she has better words of wisdom. No, actually, you two, you summed it up really well. And just to kind of drive home again, kind of what Nicole was alluding to is the way that we buy food today and think about our food is is changing. And that was changing even before COVID. And and largely that's in part because of, of smartphones, because people are able to go and find information before they make a purchase. And we know today's consumers are more likely to stop buying a product if they know it doesn't align with their values. And for dairy farmers in our industry, I think we can be really proud of the fact that dairy is an environmental solution that so many industries are looking towards. Well, thank you all for joining us on this episode of I-29 Muyu Dairy. Be sure to check out the episode notes for more information on the Farm ES program. And we really appreciate all your time and your comments about the Farm ES program. We'd like to thank our 2022-23 Annual I-29 sponsors, Iowa Corn Growers Association and T-Lay Dairy Video Sales. Learn more about Iowa Corn Growers Association at iowacorn.org. Learn more about T-Lay Dairy Video Sales at tlaydairyvideosales.com. I-29 MUU is an equal opportunity provider for the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to extension.iastate.edu forward slash diversity forward slash ext.